At Highland, we're all about celebrating little wins and little ways to innovate digital processes. There's no customer pain point too small for us to help with. Maybe that's why more than half of the Fortune 100 looks to Highland to connect their content and data, improve processes, and turn little efficiencies into big wins for their customers and clients. Highland, intelligent content solutions for innovators everywhere at highland.com. It's time to talk buy lows, sell highs. Fantasy guys trending up, trending down. What do we do with it? What do we expect in the future? You know how it rolls, Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. Indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and you may know me as Ice Spice's makeup artist. I'm also the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com, just in case you didn't know. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore Beeble, on TikTok at RedRock underscore Beeble, and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Today's episode is brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use the code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Thank you also for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free. We are available on all platforms. Hit subscribe, Operation 70K. We are getting there, 200 to go. Hit it. It'd be great if you could do it. We are here to talk um, buy lows and sell highs. Should I do the disclaimer in week eight of this season? We're doing five buy lows. We're doing five sell highs. There are more than five buy lows available in the NBA. There are more than five sell highs. This is not an extensive or an exclusive list. Other guys exist. Um, if you have a player on the buy low list on your team, it's actually good. It means they're going to improve most likely. If you have a player on your team on the sell high list, you do not have to get rid of them. You can ride it out, or if you can actually cash in, you do it. If a player's on the buy low list, you don't have to go and get them. You go and get them if the other manager is panicking and completely undervaluing that player and get them for a cheap price, you go and do it. Otherwise, let's just see what's sort of happening. What's real, what's not, how it sticks, can it stick? What's our track record? That's what we like to do. And that's what I am going to do right now and check back to how we looked at this two weeks ago. Remember, when I'm talking buy low, sell highs, what I do is I look at what has the player done in the previous two weeks. That's a decent enough sample size. It's normally five to eight games, six to eight games, depending on the player, whatever. This is a little bit different because we had in-season tournament stuff, but it's a decent enough sample. It's you know, seven to six to 8% of the season, whatever. So what, what's happened the last two weeks? There's enough for stuff and trends to fall into managers' heads and to worm their, their way in and stick there. So we look, what happened the last two weeks? All right, that's what, when, when I put the buy those sell highs up. So then after that show, we say, well, what happened in the two weeks after that? If you were able to execute that buy low sell high, did you, did you make money out of it? Did you, not money, you did it, fantasy currency out of it? Did you uh, acquire value? And then could you flip that into something else? That's how we like to look at it. Because remember, also what has happened previously has no impact on what is happening now. You don't get the previous stats onto your team. That's what I mean. Like there's always carryover and roll and all that sort of stuff. But if something happened in the first six weeks to a player, if you go and trade for them, you don't get those stats onto your team. So it's about what have they done from that point forward? Did you lose out? Did you win? All that sort of stuff. I hope, I hope all of that makes sense. 
So let's have a look at when we did this show two weeks ago, how have the players fared? We've got 10. What, what, what's, what's your guess on how many we got right out of the 10? Write in the comments. How many do you think we got right? Let's check it out. The Bilo assessment from two weeks ago. Scoot Henderson, Sterling Henderson was 308th. Since then, he is 234th. That is a win, but it's still nowhere near we need to be. But yesterday, we saw the somewhat evolution of Scoot. That does not, that does not discount everything bad that has happened so far. It does not mean that everything is fixed. But what it does mean is you go, oh, I see. I see the outline. So I would be adding Scoot, and it is a nice trend upwards. And I reckon if we look at this in another two weeks, that'll push forward even further. Gordon Hayward, one of the easiest bylows ever. So we talked about, oh, the, the absence of Miles Bridges, that's really impacting. Well, no, he was just shooting like 10%. And he was 202nd, and since then, he's 66th. And that also, like, we look at these recaps, that can also go, well, I'm absolutely going to be looking to sell Gordon Hayward high here. If I can get a top 80 player back, I would do it. A top 90 player back, I would do it. Otherwise, I just ride out this nice little hot streak. Drew Holiday was 138th. Since then, he's 56th. 56 is probably about right for Drew. We were talking about his lack of shooting and the weird steal numbers. They've pushed back up. I think he's probably a, let's say, 55 to 75 guy rest of season. So back in business. We talked about Darius Garland and why some of his numbers were down. His um, assist numbers were low, and then I think he had 17 assists in the next two games. He was 70th. We should look at him as a top 40-ish player. He's moved down to he's moved to 47th since then, so still not quite where it needs to go. But that 47 does not constitute a sell high. That's about the right area. And then the one that we did get wrong here on the buy lows, we had Kyrie Irving. He was 52nd, and I went, okay, I think Kyrie is going to be better than this. Well, apparently not. He's 83rd per game since then, and now he's injured. So that is an L. So that's four out of five on the buy lows that we um, got right. 80%, not too bad. Not too bad. But the Irving one, now that Irving one pushing to 83 and the foot injury, huge buy low. Huge. Don't give up a top 40 player, though. That the Kyrie manager is probably frustrated. Although the Kyrie manager, when they drafted him, probably went, I know that Kyrie is nonsense and I know there's going to be injuries and all that sort of stuff. So maybe they're not as inclined to move on, but I'd be looking at it now that he is like 83rd over the last two weeks. That is an extra ability to buy low. He's not featured as one of the five buy lows today, though. On the flip side, some very easy ones here as well. When we talk about sell high players, Brooke Lopez was seventh. Since then, he is 78th. It was very obvious, right? Very obvious that Brook Lopez was not going to do what he did. He's still been very good and he still exceeded my expectations really clearly, really obviously. But that, like the realis- realistic outcome for Brook is somewhere between that 7 and 78, probably closer towards the 78, to be honest. Jalen Brunson was 23rd. He's pushed down to 60th. I think he's been on this show twice, the buy low, sell high. And both times we have called it in terms of, was he gone too high? Now he's going to push back or is he too low? He's going to push up. So his realistic zone is around 35, I think, to 60. So he's sort of around that area now. Jakob Pertl was 32nd. He's now 129th. What a wild swing that is. Pertl's minutes continue to be frustrating, and his lack of contributions across many categories are annoying, and the way they use him is annoying. He's better than 129, so that's probably moved into a bit of a buy low. Chris Paul is a wild swing. He was 38th, and we said, you have got until Draymond returns to ex- execute this. Draymond returned. Paul is 262nd. This is per game, not even total. He missed some time with a leg irritation. And that is a wild fall. I believe that if this starting lineup stays intact, and they could make many changes, the Warriors moving forward, I don't know. But if Paul is a bench player, 
I think he will end up, not yet, I think he will end up a droppable player. So at 262, is that a buy low? Yes, of course it is. But I'm not giving up anything close to a top 110 player. Not even close. I'll wait to see if you drop him. I'll throw you my absolute worst player. But if my worst player is 110th, I won't do it. I don't know that Paul stays a 12-team league player. The other one there is Malcolm Brogdon, who is 75th. He's 118th since. And now, which again, we talked about. They're going to be players returning, and this man will not stay healthy. Take any top 100 player back is what I said for Brogdon. I'm pretty sure I'm not going to go back and check the tape on it, but I'm pretty sure that's what I said. Um, and yeah, I, I don't really know where this goes with Brogdon, that team. And we're going to talk Portland Trailblazers in this show. Um, there are some interesting things that we don't really know how it's all going to play out for Portland at this point. Today's episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. They have partnered up with me at Locked On Fantasy Basketball here to go through and bring you some of the best fantasy picks each week, all season long. So whether it is daily fantasy stuff you're doing or looking at the waiver wire, we're going to provide you players that are guaranteed to fit on your roster. Dante Exum is a very interesting player at the moment, given the injuries. Now, Grant Williams is set to come back for Dallas today, but Derek Jones is dealing with stuff. Tim Hardaway is dealing with stuff. Josh Green is dealing with stuff. Kyrie Irving is dealing with stuff. So Exum's probably going to start, and he's putting up some really, really good numbers. For the time being, Dante Exum is a 12-team league guy. And I didn't think that I'd be saying that at all at any point this season, but here we are. So for now, Dante Exum looks like a pretty good move. So if you've got an opportunity to add him, go and do it. Hopefully, that helps you get some extra categories this week, some extra fantasy points, and leads you towards a win. And that's what eBay Motors can help you do. They know that a championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. That's the same with your vehicle. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure that your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof rack bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Maybe I should be looking at eBay Motors, although um, eBay Guaranteed Fit's only available to US customers because I'm going to have to wait like three months to get my moonroof replaced on my car after my fence smashed into it. But maybe eBay Motors would have it. With their guaranteed fit, that might be something that I'm looking at. And with the prices... Well, I wouldn't be burning cash. I'd be burning rubber. eBay Guaranteed Fit is only available to US customers, eligible items only, and exclusions apply. Don't forget, it is good to have you guys here, but I want you to hit subscribe if you're on YouTube. Let's hit 70K. Maybe by the end of this show, and then you won't have to hear me begging for 70K anymore. Begging. Am I begging? Maybe I'm begging a little bit. Let's get into the actual buy lows and sell highs now on the show. And we're going to start with the five buy lows. And we're going to head to San Antonio. And we're going to talk about Devin Vassell, who is struggling at the moment. 145th in the last two weeks and minus one. 158th on Yahoo and 115th in points leagues. That's not what you expected when you picked him in the 60s. I don't think I drafted Devin Vassell in any league. I don't think so, but I also didn't expect him to be like this. The stint on the bench has impacted him. He's playing under 30 minutes a night over the last two weeks. He was at only 31 last season. He needs to be doing more than that. But encouragingly, the last three games that he started, 31, 34, and 31 minutes. Part of the problem here with Vassell is, and you can see in these numbers, 17 points, three rebounds, under three assists, 0.8 steals. Like, all that's yuck. 28% from three, yuck. 80% from the line is good, but he's only at 77% for the season. He was at 84 each of the last two years. So he's declining with all those shooting numbers. But the three-pointers is what's really killing him. 28% over the last two weeks in five games. That's 2.4 triples. So he's taking plenty of shots. 8.6 attempts from three per game. If that bumps up, instead of being at 28%, it's 38%. You're talking about instead of 2.4 threes, 2.8 threes. 
You add extra points. We go to look 18 points a game, maybe even 19 points a game or 18 and a half. Um, the field goal percentage jumps up to 45 and we're back to 70th or 80th. I still have him projected as a top 70 player, top 80 player rest of the season, but there's just so many obvious things here. The free throws can very easily jump four percentage points. The minutes can jump up two to three minutes a game. The three-pointers can jump up 10 percentage points and the steals can get to 1.1. That may not all happen, and there's going to be frustration with the Spurs for sure, and dicking in lineups, and maybe tanking down the season. But again, I don't worry about these late-season tank stuff that much, because every league that I will set up has the playoffs end before this stuff becomes an issue. That is what I do. I've done this for years and years and years, and I've established these dates and these cutoffs, and I do it because it works. And there's always going to be weird things that happen. A couple of outliers. But I'm generally not someone who's like, well, they're going to be bad, so I'm going to have to get rid of them. Also, if you're in a roto league, uh, someone asked me this today, the end of season tank stuff doesn't matter that much. Yes, it's annoying, but just bank all of the high-end value you get early on. And then if they do get shut down, you just drop them and get somebody else in. It doesn't kill you the way that it does in head-to-head. So Devin Vassell, to me, like you don't have to give up a top 80 player to get in. There's a lot of uncertainty with the Spurs, with the lineups. He is struggling. People will be frustrated with what he's done all season. I think you can get him for a player outside the top 100, honestly. And I wouldn't go any higher than that in trying to get him. But I think there is still plenty of upside in getting something back here on Devin Vassell. Let's go to Cleveland. And let's go to Jarrett Allen, who has been disappointing. Now, something weird happened. Last week in one of the recap shows, I talk a lot. Not sure if you're aware. And I talk about a lot of players and a lot of games all the time. And sometimes I say something and it's somewhat flippant, not flippant, but it's like based on, I don't, look, I don't have the ability to fact check every single number that I talk about every single point. I'll be honest with you. Like I, I can't do that. Every show would take 10 hours to record, but because I know that I've got a very, very strong memory and I can read these things and have it committed to memory mostly, not quite photographic, but it's not far off. Right, I can sort of just reel things off. And sometimes I might get it marginally wrong. And I said, hey, Jarrett Allen's block numbers have been pretty disappointing this season. They, they are, they're they trending down. That's a bit of a worry. And someone called me up and said, Josh, his block numbers are basically the same as last season. I went, okay. So I looked at him and went, you're, you're right. But over the last like three, four years, his block numbers have dropped every single season. So maybe I'd conflated some of that. Ever since that happened, this man has not blocked. He's blocked two shots in two weeks. So was I like um, minority reporting this? with the screens and touching things, going, well, I can see Jared Allen's not going to block any shots anymore. It just felt like things were trending down. Turns out, they were. He's now down to under one block per game this season in 28 minutes. He's blocked two shots in the last two weeks. He was at 1.2 last season. But what I saw, talked about, like the last three years, 1.4, 1.4, He's 123rd in minus one ranks. He's 121st in fantasy points. He's averaging 10 and nine with under two assists in the last two weeks with 0.3 blocks. He's still shooting 68 from the field, but also one of his strengths was being a slightly below average free throw guy. And he's at 50% from the line over the last six games. So what's going on with these blocks? Well, it's not just a weird thing. It's not just a minutes thing. His contest rate is well down. Last season, 11.1 contests per game. In December, seven contests per game. So while I do think there is a buy low here happening for Jarrett Allen, I don't think that we're expecting him to necessarily go back up and be a 1.5 blocks guy. I do think that that ship maybe has sailed. But there is plenty of scope for his minutes to improve. He's at 27 a game. 
over the last six games, and he's had some real foul trouble. In fact, he's in three of the two of the last three games, he hasn't even hit 20 minutes. Uh, both of those due to foul trouble. So he's in the two games prior to that, 34 and 38 minutes. So it is going to come up, and just by being out there and with Evan Mobley now hurt as well with the knee problem, Allen's numbers should rise. What do I see for him rest of season? Not top 50, um, not top 60. And I'm probably going to make an adjustment to his projections at the moment. I do have him like 55th at the moment, but that's because I've got him at 31 minutes a night. And I'm not sure I'm going to hold him there if that's 31 minutes a night. So I think I'm going to drop him down um, from there. But there is plenty of room or ability for him to be better in terms of generating blocks. That's the big thing is that, yes, while his contests are down, two blocks in two weeks is just not a um, not a realistic rest of season outcome for techno legend Jared Allen. Let's talk about someone who's on a slightly higher plane to Jared Allen, the man who will capture two to three to four MVPs in his career. It is Kyle Kuzma of the Washington Wizards. Now, there can be a lot of things said about Kuzma. Kuzma's a bad nine-category league player. I've heard that mentioned many times by um, fantasy managers, fantasy analysts, all that sort of stuff. And in the past, that has generally been true. A general also rule in fantasy is it is really, really hard to get good, good scoring players on your team. Like That's just a hard category to compete in. And if you're punting it, no problem. Kuzma has been a revelation this season to a degree. In points leagues, he's still been really, really solid. 31 fantasy points, but only 81st. He's been like top 40 most of the year. He's 137th in minus one category ranks and 214th in Yahoo. Utilize the bullshit Yahoo rankings. So what's wrong with it? 20.8 points is awesome. 4.8 rebounds, not that good, That's, but it's okay. Like 3.4 assists, seems all right, but then we'll talk about that more in a second. 1.43s, 0.2 steals, and 0.6 blocks. Now, Kuzma never does that. Those numbers don't stray far from his season. His season numbers are actually Ryan Anderson-esque. 0.3 steals and 0.6 blocks is horrendous. He was bad last year with zero point, oh, sorry, 1.1 combined steals and blocks. This season, he's at 0.9. That is horrific. It is honestly horrible, but he's been able to be good while those numbers have been low. So what's happened here? He's shooting 49 from the field. That's fine. 33 from three. Well, maybe we expect that to jump up. He's at 36 for the season, but historically he's been a 34% shooter. So it's not the problem. He's at 69 from the line. And while you look at that and go, Josh, he's always been a subpar free throw shooter. True. 73 last season, 71 the year before that. There's something a little bit weird here because Kuzma is over the last five games shooting 69 from the line. You go, well, he's just regressing back. But it's not really. It's so heavily skewed. And this is part of the reason why I'm starting to downweight free throw percentage when looking at weekly and daily projections. Over the last three games, he's two of five from the line. Okay, that's really bad. That's 40%. In his previous nine games, he was 31 of 36. The fact that those two of five from the line just drags so much down. And even if we look at like his season, his numbers over the last year, five games where he's sitting at yeah 69%, it's Two of five over the last three games. And the two previous games to that were um, four of five and five of six. So he missed two free throws out of 11 attempts in two games. And then he just had two stinking games where he went two of four and zero of one. And that drags it down. It makes it seem like he's back to the old coups. Like he'd been flying 31 of 36 over his previous nine games. He's been hitting his free throws. And that does have a big drag down effect. And it hurts your scoring. So there's a number of things that can fix here. 
Um, the other weird thing is his assist rate is down as well. From oh, sorry, he's well, he is. His three point uh, attempt rate is down from six point one to four point two. That's a concern. But his assist, we saw him be point forward coups. He's at four point five assists for the season, but over the last two weeks, three point four. So what's actually happened there? Well, again, it's the last four games. In the last four games, he's had one assist, seven, two, and one. In the previous nine games, he was averaging six point three assists per game. So have they just completely changed their system in the last four games? Or has just something weird happened? I'm tending to think that these last little three-game stretch where it's really impacted his free throws and assists, two things that have dragged him down, are probably the anomaly. And while I'm not a big Kyle Kuzma fan, as you're well aware with the slightly sarcastic future MVP nickname, um, I do expect that these things come up. Now, again, he's on the Wizards, so dumb shit can happen. But Kuzma doesn't have a good reputation. You can buy low on him, I would guess. And if you have to give up a top 90 player to do it, I would do it. That's that's all it would take, I think. I'm going to make uh, assessments and uh, you know, re-look at some of his um, fantasy projections. But there's a lot there that I don't think is um, indicative of how it's going to be rest of season. Today's episode is also brought to you by the Game Time app. You should not have to worry about buying tickets to your next big event. It should be easy. And that's what Game Time does. It takes the worry out of buying tickets. They've got killer last minute deals, all in pricing, views from your seat, and their best price guarantee, which of course takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. The flash deals are great as well. They'll chuck an alert on your phone and go, hey, something's going on in your area right now. We've got discounted tickets. Do you want to go? And you go, that sounds all right. And you go in there and when you see the price, the price is the price. What a novel concept. Instead of clicking on it, then going to check out and they've slapped on transaction fees and processing fees and future MVP fees. It's not there. It's all in pricing. That's another one of the features on game time there as well. It is the only ticketing app as well that gives you peace of mind with your purchase. Views from your seat, all in pricing, event cancellation protections, it's all there. So take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create that account, redeem the code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, let's get into the rest of the buy lows. Now let's let's head across to New Orleans because we've got to talk Trey Murphy. And I, I there is a very obvious caveat here with this. And for a lot of you, this won't mean anything. Trey Murphy has just come back and he's played four games. Right? But there are certain fantasy managers, some maybe listening to this channel, who get pumped, who get excited. Trey Murphy's first game, I was seeing people literally in the first half of his first game. Going, man, Josh said he wasn't going to be top 50. Um, this is ridiculous. This guy's on fire. He's going to be starting so soon. He's going to take all these shots. He had 18 points in 22 minutes, and people were fired up. And he's 207th so far uh, this season on a per-game basis. 191st in Yahoo, averaging 21 fantasy points. Look, he's been fine, but he hasn't been great. But people were super hyped for him. People saw the Yahoo rankings that were out last season for him, where he was like 24th or something which of course was complete nonsense because A, it includes turnovers, which skews the value of people and it uses total rankings. And just another reminder, Trey Murphy missed three games last season and he's played four this season. Injuries, health does not guarantee year to year. It just doesn't. 
Um, there are a few things here with Trey. 207th, as I said. He's averaging 21 fantasy points. He's averaging 14.5 points, three rebounds, one assist. Two and a half threes, 0.3 steals, and 0.5 blocks, shooting 47, 33, and 67 from the line. 67 from the line is where we're going to start. He shot 91 last season and 88 in his rookie year. He's obviously way better than this. He, he doesn't take very many that it can skew. He's had two free throw attempts in his last three games. One of two, two of two, one of two. All he needs to do there out of those six is hit one. So instead of going one of two against the Wolves, he goes two of two. And then he's an 83% shooter instead of 67. So number one, if the people see that number, that's obviously a bit disappointing. His minutes are also down. He's well, down. They're still coming up. He's playing 25 a night. But also, when you look at the Pelicans team, and especially after yesterday where Dyson Daniels played more minutes, that's a perfect time to strike. Their starters are all intact. They're all getting big minutes. CJ, Ingram, Herb, Jonas Valanciunas playing 35 minutes. Zion, everyone's there playing good minutes. And we did warn about this extensively about Trey. As much as I love Trey, what he was able to do last season was because everybody was out. And he's just not going to play those you know, 28 usage, 38-minute games that he was doing at the end of last season, which he was. He was putting up crazy numbers. So at the moment, he just isn't shooting well. That's all it is. 33% from three. This man was 41 last season. This is his calling card. Elite free throws, elite three-point shooting. He also averaged 31 minutes and 1.1 steal last game or last season. So all that stuff can push up. I'm not sure he hits 31 minutes this season. 29, maybe. But I know the shooting is going to improve. Just see who's got him. Now, most likely the guy that does have him has been very patient and has held all this time. But sometimes if you, and that means that guy usually knows the value of trade, but not always. Sometimes they go off ranking. Sometimes they go off um, value from last season. Sometimes they go off whatever. But if that person's been holding for seven weeks and they've struggled because maybe their IL filled up, was full, and they had to deal with, I'm going to hold, I'm going to hold, it's going to be great when he comes back. And then they've done all this and it's pushed them down the standings and then this is what they get. Like, what what did I hold this guy for? I just got to cut my losses. I I held this guy, lost all this IR spot availability so that Dyson Daniels could play more than him. That's a possibility too. So while you think the guy might have a bunch of patience, not necessarily. Well, they did have patience, but they were like, maybe this wasn't worth it. I don't know that he's a top 50 player this season. I'm not sure how many minutes he gets to, but I do know that it is going to improve from here. So if I'm trading for Trey Murphy, I'm sending my 11th best guy, my 10th best guy maybe, and waiting a little bit on this, understanding what he brings and what he doesn't bring, and that the numbers from last season are just not um, just not realistic to expect to continue. The last one, this is how you know that I'm fair. I'm not. I'm an asshole. I'm biased. I hate everybody. All right, but I don't particularly love Keegan Murray as a player, as you're well aware. But as you'll see when we get to the sell highs as well, it's about assessing where value sits. And at the moment, it's not good for Keegan Murray. Keegan is 156 over the last two weeks. He's had some back problems during that time. He's averaging 21 fantasy points, 167th on Yahoo. Um, it's not just about the fact that he's been hurt, which again, people will be like, hmm, that's frustrating. Is this going to be a problem all season? Because he's been in and out of lineup all year. He's averaging 14.8 points with almost three threes. And he's still he's shooting the three ball well, actually 46% over the last four games after being at 32 for the season. He's also um, 
I just realized that that free throw percentage is not his. That's uh, their Trey Murphy numbers. What have I done there? Oh, I screwed that up. I think I put the wrong numbers up. Anyway, I don't have time to go and fix it. So apologies for that. Um, he is shooting the absolute lights out at the moment with his um, three-pointers and with his free throws. But there is still plenty of scope for this to improve from Keegan. So what is able to improve here overall for him? Well, where are the rebounds? Four rebounds a game. It's not like the players around him have changed, really. He's playing next to Harrison Barnes and DeMontis Sabonis the same. He averaged 4.6 last season. He's at 5.6 for the season. That is going to go up. The assists, probably not. The usage at 18%, not sure. That's probably going to hold as well. But at the moment, there's just plenty of room for him to just get a little bit more. Like He's not going to get into the line at all. He's taken two free throw attempts in his last four games. He's got an ability here to generate more steals. He's at 1.1 for the season. He has one steal in his last four games. He has zero blocks in his last four games when he's at half a block a game for the year. And he's going to play more minutes. He's under 30. So again, ignore those bottom two stats. That's a carryover for Trey Murphy, which I do apologize for. He has got plenty of scope here to improve. I think he probably still is a top 100 player. And all it's going to take is get, get the steal back up, get an extra rebound per game, play an extra two minutes, and get half a block a game. That's all it takes. And they are so small. And that's what takes you from 156th to 90th. That's all it takes. And with the frustration, with the in and outs, with the back, people might be annoyed. It might be a little bit harder after he dropped 24 points on 69% shooting last game. But in that one still, zero steals, zero blocks, three rebounds. I don't think that the big leap for Murray is coming like others might. might. I am absolutely way down on him as a player and a prospect. I, I just don't believe in him the way others do. But... I think there is plenty of room for him to improve from where he currently sits. And now we're going to talk sell highs. Time to look at the guys who I think are currently overperforming. And this is how, again, you know, that I'm just trying to look at numbers because I love Derek White. I think Derek White's awesome. I don't think Derek White is going to hold as the 11th best player, which is um, what he currently is at the moment on Yahoo over the last two weeks. That's just not realistic. Now, I was pretty down on Derek heading into the season. I was relatively skeptical that he would get enough of the ball and enough usage to matter. He would get like his steals and blocks and all that sort of stuff I was confident with. But he's actually probably doing more with the ball than what Drew Holiday is. And that's been a surprise to me. He has been quite up and down though. 11th in minus one the last two weeks. 24th on Yahoo, and that's mainly because the Celtics have only played four games in the last two weeks. 35th in fantasy points, averaging 40 a game. He's averaging 21 points, four rebounds, six assists, 3.33s, 1.5 steals, one block. You could not ask for a more Derek White stat line. He can, he can do this. He obviously is. But it's very clear a couple of things. He's hitting 54% from the field. Last season, 46. This whole season, 48. He's hitting 50% from three. And while with less attention on him, you can maybe maybe he's a 40% three-point shooter. He's not a 50% three-point shooter. And that has pushed his three-pointers up to 3.3 per game. It should be sitting at around 2, 2.2, 2.3. So that's extra three points a game already. 21 points goes to 18 points. And even then, he's got a 21 usage over the last two weeks because Porzingis has missed three of those four games. 
for the season. White is at 18. And I still think 18 usage is too high for Derek White this season. I think six assists, which is what he's averaging over his last four, is too high. And for as good of a steals and blocks guy that he is, and he is, this man averaged 0.7 steals last season, 0.9 the year before, 0.7 the year before that. He's at 1.5. He's had six steals in his last four games. He's a very good defender. Historically, he has not been this steals guy. He's also not been a one-block-per-game guy. He's been close, but there is just so much here that it's going to regress. I don't know what you could trade Derek White away for. Selling high is pretty difficult. Because again, if you just think human psychology and you've got to offer a guy away, you've got Derek White, okay, go, Derek White's killing it, man. Do you want him? And my initial response would be then, well, if he's so good, why don't you want him? Like, oh, what are you trying to pull on me? Like, that's that would be my opinion. If he's so good, why don't you keep him? That's why sell highs are very hard to execute. I don't think White's a top 50 player. He is so far this season. I don't think that he is long-term. So if I could get a top 40 guy back in a trade, I would absolutely do it. Whether I can do it or not, I'm, I'm not really sure. But he's absolutely rolling. I love Derek White. You could argue. Okay, let, let's do this. Celtic starting five, not including Al Horford. Jason Tatum is the best player. Who's the second best? Is it Jalen Brown? Is it Puzingas? Is it Holiday? Is it White? I actually, I'm not, I'm not actually sure I know what my answer is. Because I could say, well, it's probably, I think it's probably Puzingas. It's probably Puzingas. But you know who leads this team in EPM? Derek White. You know who is, leads this team in estimated wins? Well, it's Jason Tatum because of minutes and volume, but second is Derek White. Is Derek White their second best player? Again, a lot of people will disagree on that. But I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, sell high. Derek White. Love him. Des Bain. Love him as well. One of those guys that early on in the show, not early on, like three, four years ago, Desmond Bain's rookie year, I continually called out Taylor Jenkins and go, can you please stop starting Dylan Brooks ahead of Desmond Bain? What are you doing? Please start Desmond Bain. And... This happens a lot to me, and it gets frustrating where like, you become high on it. You're really high on a player early, and then they break through, and then others go well above your expectation, and then it feels like you're a hater on Desmond Bain. And I sort of was that when he was getting picked in the top 20 of drafts this season. I'm, like, I'm not sure about that, right? I'm not sure. I'm not sure I want to get in on that, but it makes you feel like I don't like the player. I love Desmond Bain. I think he's really, really strong. But I'm also not going to be sit here and fool that he's the 12th best player, which is what he is over the last two weeks, and he's ninth on Yahoo. He's 18th in fantasy points, averaging 45. He's averaging almost 28 points a game with four rebounds and six assists. He's hitting three and a half threes, 1.3 steals, and a block. Who is this man? Derek White. He's shooting 54 from the field, 46 from three, and 86 from the line on 31 usage. But of course, we're three games away from Ja Morant returning. And you could very easily say, well, Ja coming back makes it easier for him. I'm sorry, it does not. Well, that's not true. It does. But does it make it easier for him to shoot more than 46 from three? Of course it doesn't. Does it make it easier for him to shoot more than 54 from the field? No, it doesn't. Even if Jar comes back and makes it easier, these numbers are dropping. Does Jar coming back means that his 31 usage goes up? No, it drops significantly. He had 26 usage last season. And while he's improved, the only guy that's missing from this team really is Steven Adams, incredibly low usage player, and Dylan Brooks, who despite the nonsense that he provided, was a low usage player. He was like a 17 usage guy when he shared the court with Morant, Bain, and Jackson. He was not a high usage player, despite his nonsense. So while Bain might sit at 27, 28, he's not sitting at 31. 
He's not improving from 46% threes. He's not improving from 54% from the field. He's also almost definitely not averaging six assists per game, which is what he's done over the last two weeks. And nothing to do with um, Jam Rand at all. He's had six blocks in his last six games. Last season, last season he, he totaled 22 blocks for the season. He's at 16 already this season and six in the last six. He was a 0.4 blocks guy each of the last two seasons. Does that have anything to do with Jam Rand that now all of a sudden this man, uh, T-Rex legend, is out blocking shots? No. It's just a weird anomaly. He is going to drop significantly. I don't think that he, from here on out, finishes as a top 20 player or top 25 or maybe top 30 because there is going to be a usage drop, guaranteed. There is going to be a percentage drop, guaranteed. And I'm very, very confident there's going to be an assist and blocks drop. If I could get any top 20 player for Desmond Bain, I would do it without hesitation. And I love Desmond Bain. Do I also like Terry Rozier? Well, not really, but he's also flying. And again, this is one of these ones, get out ahead and you will lose in the short term trading away Terry Rozier. I feel really confident about that. But he's 19th in minus one over the last two weeks, 11th on Yahoo, 17th in fantasy points, averaging 25 points, okay, three and a half rebounds, 9.7 assists for this man. We have a sizable sample size of what Terry Rozier did without LaMelo Ball last season. And for the season last season, he averaged 5.1 assists. And Ball played, what, 20 games? He's at 9.7 in the last six games. His last six games, 13, or last five games, 13, 7, 7, 13, 13 assists. That's really good. Maybe he continues at a really high level until Ball returns. And then there is just no way. It has just got no hope of holding at that level. None. Not at all. He's also shooting 44% from three and 92 from the line. For the season, he's at 85 from the line. Last season, 81. The year before, 85. The year before, 82. Guys at 90% plus, unless they've got a track record of it, don't hold. And even if they've got a track record of it, Trey Murphy, Jordan Poole, they don't hold. They can't do it. There are so many absolute burning red flags here for Rogier to drop off. It's unbelievable. And some of it might hold until Ball comes back. But there is no way that I'm looking at this. None. He is putting up insane numbers. Great shooting. Great free throws. Great assists. Strong scoring. Tons of minutes. He's averaging 38 minutes over the last six games. 40 over the last three. You will lose out most likely in a short-term trade. And maybe Ball doesn't come back. But even if Ball does not come back, which I don't think is a possibility, Rogier cannot do this all season. If I could get any top 40 player back for Terry Rogier in a trade, I would do it immediately. My rest of season projections do not really like Terry Rogier at all. They're very much down on him. Very much. In fact, the, he's like just barely a top 100 guy rest of season, mainly because I've got his assists significantly down. I've got his free throws down like 10 percentage points. I've got his three-pointers made down 33%. He's at 3.3 over the last six games. I've got him at 2.2 because I just don't think he's going to hit 44% of them, nor do I think he's necessarily going to be getting the 28 usage that he's getting. There's just a lot here that is prime for massive regression. Massive. And I would want to cash in now, understanding I can lose in the short term. One of the biggest red flag sell highs going around. I also like Shaden Sharp as a player. I had Shaden Sharp in the draft at five last season. Would I move him ahead of Jade and Ivy now? Yeah, I had Ivy at four. I'd put Sharp at four, no problem. I think he's been great. 
we know this team is bad and they're featuring him a lot, but there is a lot going on here that just has, it's really tough to uh, rationalize. 26th over the last two weeks for Shaden Sharp on minus one, 28th in Yahoo, 25th in fantasy points. All that's great. 26 points, six and a half rebounds, five assists, fantastic. Four threes a game. That should raise your eyebrow immediately. Go, hmm, okay, that's a lot. One steal, no blocks. Cool. 43%, sorry, 53% from the field, 47% from three, 81 from the line. Well, there you go. That's that's it. We can almost put it down there. 47% from three. The man's at 37 for the season. He was at 36 last season. He could realistically be a 38% three-point shooter. Absolutely. All of this stuff, right, that's happening at the moment, we know that Scoot's been sort of in and out. Brogdon's now out. Grant's out. Aiton's out. He's getting 39 minutes a game over his last five. He's at 37 for the season, but even that is tough because we have not seen this team play outside of game one with everyone healthy. We haven't seen it. How do they get enough minutes for Scoot, Simons, Sharp, Brogdon, Aiton, Grant, let alone Thibel, Kamara? How do we really believe that Shaden Sharp will play 39 minutes a night? Because you know what? His usage is not high. It's just all about shots going in. Is it 60% on twos? There's there's no way that holds. He's at 47 for the season. His last five games, it's 60% from two, 47 from three for a true shooting of 68% in 39 minutes, but only 23 usage. I am very encouraged by his assist numbers being up five per game over the last five. But what does that mean when there's Grant and Brogdon and Aiton? These guys aren't invisible. They all have to get some minutes. And Sharp, I think, settles in instead of 39 night, let's say 35, 36. The usage is the same, 22, 23. But instead of being a 53% field goal guy, he's probably 44, 45. Instead of hitting four threes a game, he's probably two and a half, two. If I could get any, any top 50 player for Shaden Sharp, any top 60 player, I would do it. There is going to be a massive crash and it probably all comes at once with minutes, three-point percentage, two-point percentage, maybe rebounds, maybe assists. It all probably drops at the same time. Or I'm just wrong and he's an unbelievable all-star level player, which is possible. And I really like Sharp again. And that brings me on to the last one. One of the ones that I've had, I'd say, I don't know if success is the right word, but I told you that I wanted Kobe White and I drafted Kobe White and I held Kobe White all through the shooting struggles. And it is paying off in a huge way. And now the expectation on White is that Zach Levine will be traded. So Kobe White's going to go crazy. And while there is a truth to that, there's also a lie to that and not a, not a deliberate one. He's 28th over the last two weeks in minus one, 12th in Yahoo, 40 fantasy points, which is 39th, averaging 25 points, 5.5 rebounds, 5.2 assists. Number one, 5.2 assists should red flag you a little bit. He's a starting point guard with Levine out, handling the ball a lot, and still not generating big assists. It's all going to DeRozan. I don't know whether Levine plays another game for this team. It also, I don't think matters. Whether he's back or not, well, it does to a degree. Or it doesn't, what I'm maybe more meant to say is that if Levine gets traded, whatever players return, I don't think that's the issue here with White. Maybe he starts, stays playing 39 minutes a game. That is a lot of minutes. That is a ton of minutes. And I'm not sure that he holds at that level. That is a lot. But like his whole career, piss poor steals, 0.7. Piss poor blocks, 0.9. He's hitting almost five threes a game at 55%. There you go. That is problem solved. We know what's happening. 
He's hitting just an insane amount of threes. He's at 37 for the season. Oh, sorry, he's 37 last season. He's at 43 this season after a slow start. 39 the year before that. I could very easily argue he's a 41% three-point shooter this season. Not a problem to get into that. But not 55. It's such a big difference. And those 39 minutes a night, I just don't think he's going to stay at that level. And he's not boing. Look, he's at 5.2 assists in 39 minutes. That's 4.7 per 36. That's the exact number for the whole season. It is up from last year. He's improved. And I really like Kobe White. But this stuff that we're having here is not like, this is the future without Levine. This is not the future without Levine. It is a very good run that this is where we pull off buy lows and sell highs is through coincidence. Where you get the opportunity with no Levine, your minutes go up and then you cannot miss a single shot. And people think that it's because of Levine being out that now you're a 55% three-point shooter when it's just not true. It's just a coincidental uh, alignment of those two things. And... His usage is at like his usage is at 21. It's not that high. He hasn't taken on this gigantic usage without Levine. He's just playing a lot of minutes and the shots are going in. That's really all that's changed. Again, I really like Kobe White. He is a must-roster player. But if anyone's giving me top 40 value for him based on this being with the reality when Levine returns, then absolutely good luck to him. That is what I will take back in return. And that is the end of a long buy low sell high show. Which one of those did you disagree with the most? Which one did you agree with the most? How many of those players are on your team? Please let me know that down in the comments below. And if you are in the comments below, leaving those comments, hit subscribe while you're there. Operation 70K, we are getting there. Hit the uh, subscribe button, hit the thumbs up button. That would all be awesome if you're able to do that, guys. We are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.